Sports fans rejoice. You're listening to my team, my voice with MTMV Sports. Um, back when you first talked about getting into coaching, you talked about being fascinated with personal development and skill development. Um, you just so happened to uh, be a, a skill development trainer for the best basketball player of all time in Kobe Bryant. And you were his trainer, maybe one of his trainers, but you were his trainer down here for many years. Can we talk about first how you even got in contact with Kobe and how you developed a relationship with him and becoming his go-to guy down here in Southern California? Yeah, like a lot of things. I mean, it was, it was by chance. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was a year that, um, you know, Kobe was, he was looking to get traded to Chicago specifically. Um, you know, he's living in Newport Beach. I think everyone knows he lived in Newport Coast. And I uh, was looking for a place to train kind of in the interim, like in the off season before he moved on from the Lakers. He didn't want to go up to LA. He didn't, he wanted something by his house. And, um, and so he contacted our administration at UC Irvine and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking to, you know, I'd like to come by and look at your facility and see if it's um, you know, something that I could potentially use, um, you know, during this period. And one of our associate athletic directors, um, you know, that's, this is 2007. Um, our associate athletic director calls me and says, Hey, you know, there's, a, there's an off chance that, um, that Kobe may want to come by here and, and train. Um, can I pass along your number and, um, and have them maybe come take, take a look at the facilities. And, you know, I, you know so director of basketball operations, single, like I'm living at the office anyways. Mm-hmm. And yeah, of course. I mean, and, you know, and, and again, our associate athletic director says, Hey, really good chance doesn't even come by, but can I pass along your number? I want this off my, off my desk. I said, sure. No problem. Inevitably within a week, I get a call from the head of security for, for Kobe Bryant. And um, he says, Hey, you know, Mr. Bryant would like to come check out the facility, this and that, whatever. And I said, sure, no problem. Tell me a time I'll be there, this and that, whatever. And I'm figuring this guy's going to come by and whatever. And, um, you know, and lo and behold, you know, parking in, in the athletics complex is Kobe Bryant and this one other guy that, that comes with him. And I'm just like, all right, this is actually happening. And, you know, at the time, like we had a, a pretty second rate weight room. Um, our other facilities are pretty good. Our practice gym's good and our arena's good and all that stuff. But we, but I know a lot of what he wanted to do was in the weight room um, as well as the, as well as the gym. And so I show him around, um, you know, I'm nervous. I'm like, Hey, this is what we got. You know, this is whatever. And, um, and, and so that's, that, that was kind of how he was first introduced and, and on his way out, he gives me his number and he gets mine and says, Hey, um, you know, I'll call you. I'll let you know. And I'm like, all right, sounds good. Again, pretty certain that I'm never going to get a phone call. Right. That night, um, I am, um, I'm coaching my, um, my club, um, not my club. I was, I was, I was doing some training and, um, I get a call and, um, it's him. And he's like, Hey, I was wondering if we can get in the gym tomorrow morning. I was like, sure. And, um, and so 7am the next morning, um, I show up, he shows up with, with this guy who I end up learning, um, you know, as, as time goes along is not, I thought at first it was the guy who had called me, the head of security guy or whatever, it was this guy named Tom Evans, who was one of Michael Jordan's trainers towards the latter part of his career. And so Kobe called Mike and said, Hey, 
you know, I'm planning on going to Chicago. Who's a guy in Chicago I need to be linked up with? And it was, you know, Tim Grover, who everyone knows Tim Grover, um, but also Tom Evans. And so Tom got sent out to California to kind of, you know, to spark this training. And so there's a guy from Chicago here now, and Kobe's in the gym, you know, training and all that stuff. And I asked, hey, can I sit in on this? And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And so I'm just sitting in the practice gym, watching them do their thing. I'm in the weight room with them. And now we have, there's a guy from Chicago that's here that doesn't know anybody in Orange County, is living at a hotel. We're in the off season. He starts just coming by UC Irvine. And he's, you know, he's in our, you know, he's, he's hanging out in my office. He's, you know, in our individual workouts in the spring, he's kind of just hanging out. And so I get to know him really well. And, you know, and so he's doing other things with Kobe on top of him. He goes, he's at his house, he's doing different things, he's doing his stretching and all that. And so they have a conversation separate from me where basically this guy tells Kobe like, Hey, this guy is, is trying to be a coach. He's a coach at UC Irvine. And so, um, the next day, I guess we're in the, in the practice gym. This is probably a week and a half in, um, of six days a week training. He kind of looks over as he's going through his warm-up routine. He says, Hey man, I, I thought you wanted to be a coach. I thought, why the, why the heck are you not out here with us? And I'm just sitting there like, there's no one else in here. I guess you're talking to me. And, and from that day on, I was on the floor with him. And so we went through that first summer of, you know, of being, you know, with him and, and with Tom Evans, who um, everyone calls Rev. I mean, he's a reverend in Chicago. And so we're in there with, with him and Rev every single day that first summer. Um, and everyone knows the story. I and mean, he ends up staying with the Lakers. And, um, you know, and Tim Grover and Rev are running the gym back in Chicago. So Rev's like kind of back and forth, and, and but there most of the time. And so that was the first offseason that I spent with those guys. And I was just a sponge. Like, what is he doing? You know, I was learning all the stuff that he was doing in the weight room. Um, I come to learn so much of the stuff he did in the weight room was, were things that, that Jordan was doing at that stage of his career as well. Um, it was an area that I – was familiar with, but I, I didn't feel like I had any expertise in it at all. Um, but I learned a ton in the weight room and then learning from Kobe on the floor on the things that he wanted um, every day in the gym was, was fascinating. I mean, it was like being in the classroom every single day uh, watching him work. So, so that was 2007. And, um, and that continued um, for the most part all the way until he retired. Um, obviously we had, and that was every, pretty much every, season when we were done, um, UC Irvine, when we were done, he knew when we were done. And so I'd be back, you know, in his, you know, on the court with him, uh, whatever he needed for a lot of the postseason work, um, a lot of the off season work, um, you know, summertime and, and leading up into training camp. And, um, and, and so that was, again, that was you know, for the most part from 2007 all the way until he retired. And obviously every off season was a little bit different as he was going through different injuries. Um, you know, so different, you know, different summers were, more rehab oriented where he was with doctors and different, you know, you know, PT guys. Um, so every off season was a little bit different. Um, you know, so my involvement was a little bit different, but, um, you know, it was, it went from every day or multiple times a day to, you know, maybe, you know, once or twice a week. Um, you know, so, so varied every, every off season based on what his needs were. What does Kobe Bryant, when he walks into the gym and he's ready to get a workout in, what are the things that he emphasizes? What are the things that, he puts himself through and you put him through that he knows is going to make him a better player. Well, every off season was really different, um, you know, because 
he went into every off season looking to add some component to his game. Um, you know, and, and that was based on where he was in his career. Um, that was based on, you know, who he was playing for, um, you know, different seasons, whether he was playing in the triangle or he was playing for Mike Brown or you know, different guys. I mean, he would really, you know, get to know, you know, those coaches and what their needs were and where he would be in the offense. Um, you know, for example, like going into the Olympics um, in 2008, I believe, um, he knew on that team with the amount of talent that they had that they had plenty of scoring power on that team. And he knew that he was going to be the defensive stopper on that team. And so right after the season ended, he his training focus turned to defense. And outside of maybe some spot shooting, maybe some layups, maybe some form shooting, things like that, he spent the better part of the first two weeks only working on defense in the gym. And it was fascinating. He, he wanted every drill that we could come up with. And, um, you know, it was, you know, two, he was guarding two guys at a time. There was sliding from one place to another, sprinting to close out, um, you know, getting his conditioning level high. He just wanted to create that focus and mentality going into that, you know, that off-season period going into the Olympics. Um, you know, so every off-season was really different, but they were very focused and laser sharp in what his focus was. Um, so he came to the gym and there was purpose every single time and there was a competitive level every single time. It was the tension was was high when he was in there and you knew you had to bring it. Um, you had to bring it. And there was times where he would say, hey, I want to work on this, this, and this, and you put something together and he'd tell you right after the workout that that wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it wasn't as nicely as I put it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really how you'd say it. So, and you'd feel it and you'd feel the responsibility to make it better and to be more challenging and to put him in position where he felt like he was improving every day. He did not waste the moment when he was on the court. Um, he did not waste a moment when he was in the gym. He did not waste a moment when he was doing any of his recovery. I mean, his attention to detail and his focus was on an absolute another level. Um, you know, and that's, that was something that was fascinating. And so for me, I was unbelievably spoiled in those experiences that I had with him. Um, you know, and I feel almost bad for all the players that had been in the gym with me afterwards because you can't tell me that you're going as hard as you can because I've seen it. Um, you can't tell me that you're giving everything you have. You can't tell me that you've done all you can because I've seen it. I've seen somebody that's always pushing the envelope. And the fascinating part about him was with all the things that he had accomplished, you know, just like we talked about with, you know, with you know, complacency. I mean, there was always more. And you talk about somebody that was trying to genuinely, you know, find the best version of himself. Mm-hmm. It was all about leaving a legacy. It wasn't about, it wasn't really about like anything else. What is his legacy? What is his impact on the game? And how does that transcend different generations beyond when he's done playing? And, and you felt that every day in the gym with him. Wow. Um, so he would say, hey, uh, Ryan, I want, I want to work on my ball handling for the next week or so. And then you would come with your own drills that maybe you've gotten from the places you've been at, or maybe the ones that you use at UCI and you'd put him through those. And then he would tell you afterwards, whether you liked them or not, is, is that how the drills came to about came, came to pass with him? A little bit of both. I mean, there's, there's some, some things that he would say, Hey, this is what I want to do. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then there was other times you say, Hey, I need a ball handling drill or I need a, I need to work on, you know, my jab series, or I need to work on, you know, elbow jumpers, or I need to, you know, work on, you know, shooting off the move, um, you know, different things like that. And you say, Hey, put something together or you'd come in and just say, Hey, this is what I want to do. Um, and just either defend me or rebound or put a body on me or whatever. I mean, you know, I, you know, one, one of the times where I, I really realized that, you know, the competitive level is at an all time high is when he, he decided that he wanted to work on his post game in the off season. So I'd be in there and, and play post defense on him and he's taller than me, but you know, I got good center of gravity on him. And so it pushed him pretty good. And he did not like how physical I was playing him. But part of him for sure liked it. Um, but as he was trying to get me off of them, as I was pushing him on the post, he just elbowed me harder than you could ever imagine and broke my nose. And I was, and I'm just bleeding and he just spins the ball to himself. Next round, next round. And I'm just like, all right, this is, and, and that's just how it was. And it wasn't like eh, nothing personal. This is, I'm here to accomplish this. And you're either, you're either on or you're off. And it's not like, we're not worried about feelings. We're not worried about how you doing. And this, like, this is what I'm here to accomplish. And you're either here to help me or you're getting in my way. And there's no in between. And so, you know, and, and that's when I learned everything about it because we all have whatever perception we have of him. You know, I did at least before meeting him and getting to know him. And then you realize this is why that perception has been built. It's this competitive nature. It's this, you know, this absolute desire to win, to have success, um, to continue to evolve as a player. Um, you know, and some guys can handle it. Some guys can't. Um, some teammates can hand it, handle it. Some teammates can't. Um, and then his leadership qualities have also evolved over time too. And that was, that was fun to watch evolve as he, as he went along. And, you know, I was a part of, you know, whatever he was doing, you know, towards the latter stage of his career when he was older and probably had better sense for how to lead the right way because of how badly he needed his teammates, you know, along the way to, to have the success that he ended up having. Um, I can't imagine what he was when he was number eight. Um, I was around him when he was 24. And, um, you know, the debate of, of what, who was better, eight or 24, I mean, I can't really comment on that. But I know 24 was pretty damn good. Well, if you're his his skills trainer for 12 years and you're in the gym with him every offseason, you, you've been with him in the gym 100 times or more, you must have developed a friendship. Um, or I would assume you – I can assume you developed some sort of a friendship right. off the court – you want to talk about that, your relationship with him off the floor and, and what that was like? Well, that took time. I mean, you know, it was, I was, you know, I didn't want to be his friend. I mean, I, I didn't want to be his friend. I mean, that, I mean, I, I felt like any, any, um, any guard that you put down would maybe hinder our relationship on the court, which was the most important thing for me. And also why I was there, um, you know, I was there to help him accomplish what he wanted, to, what he wanted to do. Um, and so, so I feel like our, our friendship or our relationship happened real organically and it took a long time. Um, and I learned what somebody like that goes through to really trust somebody. Um, and so I was really adamant about not imposing that. And as you can imagine, there was probably, there was a lot of people that were pulling at me to, to ask things of him. Um, you know, obviously he gets asked, you know, got asked things all the time. Um, you know, so I was real careful to make sure that I, I, I kept my space. 
Um, and then I think things kind of naturally evolved, um, you know, in more time, you know, as I, I spent more time with them, I went on you know, some trips with them. Um, you know, when you're, when you're traveling with, with someone, you, you have a chance to get to know them on a different level, um, you know, travel into different places, um, you know, and so, so we did build a friendship and, you know, through that time, um, you know, he had obviously, you know, been married, um, and had kids and I, you know, was, you know, had just got engaged, um, and, you know, started having kids. And so he was, you know, I, you know, he, we talked a lot about that stuff, um, you know, about, you know, just, just being a dad and, you know, and, and, you know, going through an engagement and getting married and all that kind of stuff. So he was a part of all that stuff, um, which was really cool. I mean, going to, you know, each other's birthdays and, and things like that. I mean, it evolved to that, which was, which was really cool. Um, but I don't think we got as close until he really was done, um, you know, where he was in unplugged and he really unplugged. I mean, when he was done, he was done. And I knew he was going to be done. A lot of people said, eh, I don't think he's going to really be done. I knew he was going to be done because of how much he gave to it. Um, you know, how, how much he had to completely unplug to really be done. And so, you know, it was having him as a mentor um, in this game, um, someone that I could, you know, bounce things off of, ask advice of, um, you know, I, I really do feel like he was a big brother to me in a lot of ways. And he was you know, a couple of years older than me and, and um, you know, had a lot of life experiences that I hadn't had, um, you know, got married younger and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, he, it was, he was someone that I was able to, you know, pick up the phone or shoot a text to and say, hey, what do you think about this? Um, and, and get a real, real candid response, um, good or bad. Um, and it was real. And it was nice to have somebody that wasn't in college basketball that could give me perspective outside of maybe college basketball or someone that just gives real kind of advice. And I valued the heck out of that. And, and hopefully I provide. And, and I could vouch for that, too, even on our end, because, you know, when I started reading up on your and his relationship, it was very clear that you kept that secretive. You You did not overstep your bounds. You didn't do anything that would infringe on that. And, you know, there would have been a lot of people who would love to have just kind of peeked in and watched Kobe Bryant work out. And you kept that at, as secretive as possible to protect him and to, you know, be able to let him continue to, you know, get his career, improve his game while he's out there. And that kind of, I, I'm sure he fed off that eventually he bought into that and said, this guy's a trustworthy guy. I mean, it really helped that his hours uh, fit into hours that didn't fit into most people's schedules. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that that made it a lot easier um, to, to like a lot of people say, hey, how are you able to to do, you know, based on the time that you had and all that kind of stuff? Well, it's it's a lot easier when you're up at 5 a.m. and and working out until 8.30 or 9. And, you know, what's funny is when, when I first started, it was, you know, I'd, you know, he'd maybe go longer in a workout and i roll into the office around 9.30 and, and you know, kind of jokingly people on the staff would say, hey, oh, late morning, huh? Off season. And I just kind of chuckle and say, yeah, late morning. And, you know, we had been in the gym for, you know, three and a half hours, you know, or whatever. And so, um, you know, it was nice that, that that kind of fit into things. And then, you know, he was real adamant about, and especially in the off season, about what he did with his family. I mean, he wanted to get his work in early. I mean, he was a guy that just didn't require much sleep anyways to begin with. Um, but getting that work in allowed him to get home and be with his girls, um, do things that he needed to do. Um, you know, throughout the day, he'd go see his massage therapist or go do Pilates or do whatever he had going on during the off season. And then as we were getting ready for training camp, um, he'd come back in at night and that was well beyond anyone being there. And so, 
it was it was easy to not talk about it much. You know, the tail end of the people would see and go, oh, well, you just stop by to get some ice or whatever. You know, you just you know kind of keep it you know as low key as you can. I, I didn't go. I didn't try to necessarily keep it secretive from anybody, but it, you know his routine kind of helped keep it on the low and um, and give him the privacy that he he needed to to do what he needed to do. And it helped you too that it was at your workplace. So you you mean if anything, you're three hours early to work and you're in the gym working out a basketball player. So worst case scenario, you know you can get right to work as soon as that's over and you can make up for that 20, 30 minutes of lost time because you're right there. Um, you called him a mentor, a big brother. Um, what, what did you learn most from him? Oh man. I mean, I, you know, whether on the court, off the court, I mean, a lot, I mean, in in both areas, um, you know, I think, you know, on the court, I mean, more than anything is, you know, you know, I'm a big John Wooden guy and John Wooden always talks about, you you know, defining success as, as, um, as doing your personal best. The one thing I learned from him is um, how important it is as coaches to help players find what their personal best is. Uh, Because I think a lot of young players may think they're giving their best or doing their best where you may see something different in them as a coach. And I think it's our role a lot of times to help them define that for them and to really help them find what their personal best is. And that's both on the court and off the court, but particularly on the court, Um, you know, Kobe pushed himself past the limits that you didn't think were possible uh, when he was on the court. Um, whether it was the amount of reps that he you know that he took, um, the amount of difficult shots that he worked on, you know it was funny because you watch him play, and I remember watching him play and be like, man, that was a, that was a lucky shot, man. That's a tough shot. It's a lucky shot. I witnessed him shoot every one of those shots a hundred thousand times, and, and so is that luck? I mean, no. And, but you don't know that until you, until you know that. And so same thing with, with the players that we have coaching is, you know, our, our ability to help them, you know, figure out what their personal best is, um, I think is, is something that, you know, he helped shape for me, um, you know, and, and how you do it. And, and, you know, also for, you know, in that, in that, in those terms, you know, really, you know, what can you give to the game um, and what you have to sacrifice to be, as good as maybe you want. You know, I ask players all the time, like you say you want to be X, Y, and Z, but your actions don't reflect that. So you're not allowed to say, I want to be X, Y, and Z when your actions, you know, couldn't, you know, couldn't differ more from what you want the results to be. Kobe walked the walk. You know, he said, this is what I want to do. And he put in the time and the work in a competitive way at a high level to accomplish those things. And so I've been able to see it. And so that, again, has, has my focus to what it takes to be as good as, as what you say you want to be. Um, he really, he really did me in that way where I'm able to have that conversation with players and say, hey, this is what you want to do. Let's figure out a plan that, that fits you, that, you know, that will kind of lead to the things that you want to accomplish. Um, because, man, he – he was laser focused when he, when he said, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to accomplish. This is the direction I'm going. Um, and, and that became habit to me, you know, what he said is what we, he was going to do. And so that became the habit that's okay. We're going to find ways to accomplish this goal. And so that was, that was a huge component of, of how he impacted me and, and mentored me in that way on the court. A quote I heard about Kobe was that he, he may have worked harder at basketball than anyone who's ever played the game. There's been no one who's ever worked at the game 
harder than him. And it sounds like the way he pushed himself definitely, uh, uh, you know, attests to that. Um, 